Shalom everyone. Um, I'm recording this again from, from Paris. I'll be doing that very often from now. I moved to Paris. And I'd like to um, still keep working towards Rosh Hashanah and not get there yet. Okay? Um, I thought I'd spend these weeks talking about Rosh Hashanah. But I still haven't figured out this month, the month of Elul, yet. And last week we looked at those, uh, the Eluliim, the sheep and the goats born in the month of Elul and how they're special. This week I want to look at um, a, a, a series of texts. Um, hopefully I'll be able to put them together in a way that makes some kind of sense, some kind of narrative between them. Um, but it basically comes uh, down to the idea of, of Elul coming before Tishrei, right? Uh, what does it mean to be in the month before the big month, right? And it, if you want to make it a little bit more dramatic, um, then we can say, what like, what are we celebrating on Rosh Hashanah in Tishrei? Um, many things, but basically, we're there's this very strong idea that we're we're celebrating the creation of the world. The world was created in Tishrei, and actually, for those of you who've been following for a while, um, just before Pesach. I taught um, this pretty famous section of Talmud that relates a, a, a debate, machloket, between two rabbis, between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, about um, when all sorts of things happened. And the, the crux of the debate is when was the world created? Um, as usual, you can read the source sheet that I that you should be able to find together with this audio recording, and uh, you can read the full text there. I'm just taking out like the 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 highlights here, but there's a lot more in there. Um, but we have we have a debate here. Rabbi Eliezer says the world was created in Tishrei, and Rabbi Yoshua says the world was created in Nisan. What does that even mean? Does it mean that there was a month <laughs> in which the world was created, right? So like time began within time, in a way. Um, but without even going in what it means, what a creation means, um, why, why we choose to spend so much time on such a powerful idea uh, uh, that we like stubbornly keep in 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 mind and uh, the ideas of from, from coming from astrology and uh, um, big bang theory and everything we like obviously they're right yeah but they they don't interest us as much as this idea of the world was created in in a genesis kind of way um, and then thinking about when was the world created. The world was created in Tishrei, so we celebrate on the first of Tishrei, on Rosh Hashanah, we celebrate the creation of the world. Okay? Um, and interestingly, 
one of the proofs given in the Talmud for this idea that the world was created in Tishrei and not in Nisan, like the, uh, Rabbi Yeshua says, um, is that on the I want to say on the third day of creation, um, that's not true, is it? It's on the fifth day of creation. Uh, the the trees gave forth fruit, okay? And Rabbi Eliezer is said to say, um, what in what month do trees give forth fruit? In the autumn. <laughs> so it must have been in Tishrei. Right? When are they full of fruit? The Rosh Hashanah kind of time, you know? September, October. Um, so that's a good proof that it's in Tishrei. But then what does that mean about Elul? Elul is the month before creation. Yeah, let's keep that idea in, in, uh, in our mind. Um, and I'd like to introduce also a, a, a different... Uh, so we have the two sides of the argument. Uh, Rabbi Eliezer says Tishrei. Rabbi Yoshua says Nisan in the springtime. And we have in a different text, in Vayikor Rabba, and it comes up in a few different places, in later Midrashic sources, uh, that the world was created actually on the 25th of Elul. The world was created on the 25th of Elul. So the f- humanity, right? Adam and Chava, Eve, they were created on the 1st of Tishrei, on Rosh Hashanah. So that's what we celebrate on Rosh Hashanah, the creation of humanity. And if you rewind um, six days from that, you get to the 25th of Elul. And the 25th of Elul is when uh, the world was created. Okay? Now, we are now, as I'm recording this, um, we are now before that. <laughs> we're on the 17th of Elul. So we're a week before the, the earliest um, opinion of creation. Right? So we're before the beginning before the beginning. And I'd like to um, introduce the idea that maybe this time of year, about when we're before the beginning of creation, uh, there's something to be learnt from that framing. Okay? And I want to take us to a completely different uh, Mishnah. Mishnah that talks about... um, talks about what you're not allowed to talk about. Yeah, it's a kind of surprising Mishnah. It's uh, famously cryptic, it's delicious, it's very rich. Uh, um, much has been written about this and I, I can't cover any, everything or anything. I'm not sure if I have anything new to say, let's see. Um, this is a Mishnah in the Tractate of Chagiga and it talks about teaching, about Midrash making, okay, and it says like, like this: One may not explain forbidden sexual relationships in the presence of three people, nor can you explain the work of creation in the presence of two people nor the work of the mystical chariot in the presence of one, unless he or she is a sage 
and understands on their own. We're not going to go into any of those. We're not allowed. <laughs> okay? I don't know how many people are listening to this. But uh, interesting, right? So, so all that story of creation, something phenomenal happened in the story of creation. And how do you talk about it? You, you whisper it with one other person. Because if you speak about creation with two people, you, there's something goes missing or something a bit even dangerous about speaking or delving into the work of creation in public. Um, I wanted to actually look at the next part of the Mishnah. that says, whoever speculates upon four things, it would have been better had they never come into the world. There's four questions, but if you start thinking about them, it would be better if you didn't exist. <laughs> it's a bit scary. These are the four questions. Malemala, malemata, malefanim, umaleachor. What is above and what is below? What came before and what came after? Those are the four questions that you're not allowed to speculate upon. Okay. And what's it talking about? Is it talking about the universe? Right? What's above the world and what's below the world? What's that mean? What came before the world and what came after the world? What will come after the world? Um, that's... It's a very difficult mission, especially for scientists or inquisitive people or, or people who are... Um, we're curious, right? It's kind of, it's the, the best questions uh, are pushing the boundaries of what we know and looking at places we don't know and, and trying to delve into them. So there's something, and it can't be wrong to do that, right? Science isn't wrong. Well, asking, asking good questions is never wrong. So what's wrong? What does Mishnah say that it would be better if you didn't exist if you ask what came before creation? Okay. Right. This is. Uh, I'm saying like, that Elul, the time before the twenty fifth of Elul, at least, is before creation in a way. What does that? Can we not talk about that? There's something we can't talk about. Maybe. Maybe it's actually the talking that's the problem. And I think maybe. It's a great subject, but once you start talking. Something goes wrong. Um, there's a piece in the Talmud that tells a great story. Um, it puts the Greek wisdom against Jewish wisdom in a, in a kind of a funny way. Um, uh, and it tells the story of Alexander of Macedon, right? Alexander the Great, who, in the story, he comes to the Negev, in the southern desert of Israel, and he asks the the sages of the of the Negev ten questions. Okay, um, and I won't go into all of them again. If you look at the source sheet, it's a great one. I'm going to look at the second, the third, and the tenth. Okay, so the second question he asks them is. Were the heavens created first 
or the earth created first? Which came first, he's asking. The, the, the sky or the earth? Um, and they said to him, they give him an answer. They know the answer. It's written in the Torah. It's actually written in the first verse of the Torah. It says, Bereshit bara Elohim et In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay? So the heaven came before the earth. So it's a strange question. It's a kind of obvious answer. Um, and it's not so clear. Why, why is he interested in that? And what's happening here? And we get a little bit of a clue from the next question. Yeah, the third question Alexander the Great asks the rabbis. He said to them, was light created first or was darkness created first? They said to him, this matter has no solution. There's no answer to this. Okay. Light or darkness, which is which comes first? They say, we don't know. There's no way to know. Um, and then... There's a kind of a meta discussion here in the Talmud that says, why, why do they say that? It's written in the Torah, right? Um, it says there in the Torah, it says there was darkness in the world and, and God said, let there be light and there was light. So why don't they say darkness came before light? Right? It's kind of obvious. Um, and the answer they give is that they must have thought to themselves, we shouldn't ask answer this question because the next question will be about what is above and what is below and what was before and what was after. Right? We don't have to lead him down a path where he's going to ask these four forbidden questions. What came if he's asking what came first, he's going to ask what came before the first. What came um, before creation? Now, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this exactly. One of the ideas I've, I've had, like I've really struggled with this text, because a part of me, and maybe this kind of my, my Western upbringing, and being an inheritor in a way of Alexander and Greek philosophy, um, as it's been funneled through, through the centuries, um, but yes, I identify with Alexander as much as I identify with the sages of the Negev. Um, and one of the thoughts I've had on this text is that maybe there's a wrong way to ask philosophical and scientific questions. And that's when it's detached from the real world. Right? Um, there's a there's a way of asking philosophical questions um, and losing sight of, of where you're at. Right? And there's a way of asking philosophical questions and connecting to them, them to where you're at. So when Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer are asking, when was the world created? Right? That's kind of, those are kind of strange abstract questions. But they're connecting it to a celebration that happens every year. They're connecting it to um, in real life practice of, of doing things and when Alexander is asking um, 
Which came first, darkness or light? The answer is actually in the Torah, <laughs> right? Um, but he's not... He's not... interested in, in, in having a kind of a, a lived answer, an answer that involves um, reading and learning and studying and uh, uh, growing and interpreting and acting out and uh, uh, finding practical applications and finding ritual applications and finding spiritual applications for these questions. And it's presented as, as a kind of a very... A remote question of uh, of a king who's in a way in in this presentation at least he's showing off. He's, he's using knowledge as facts to gather to be powerful, right? He kind of he conquers kingdoms, so he conquers knowledge as well. Um, and it, it's presented here as kind of the opposite of of Torah, which. Um, is much more alive, right? Um, maybe I'll finish off with with Alexander's tenth question, Alexander's last question. Okay, just because I love it, and maybe I'll be able to link it into this conversation in a way. Um, Alexander asks them, "Why do you oppose me?" He's asking, why did the Jewish people not accept the Greeks or the Greek culture as as victorious? Right? Why? Like Greeks have conquered the entire world, and there's a couple of Jews left in the in the land of Israel and whatever, um, Babylon and Egypt. Why? Why don't they see that history is teaching them something and so on? Uh, he says, why do you oppose me? And they said to him, sometimes Satan is victorious. Satana Natsach. Sometimes Satan wins. And it's a great answer because it's saying, we don't learn everything from history. Right? Shit happens. Sometimes bad things happen. Hmm? They can't be that every time something from our perspective bad happens, you run to the winning side. Right? There has to be uh, uh, a way of thinking about things which isn't just calculating advantages and disadvantages and benefits and gains. Um, yes, sometimes Satan wins. Right? If you If you stay in long enough you you won't be in this time anymore um, you, you don't have to take Satan so seriously sometimes Satan wins sometimes Alexander wins sometimes the Jews win sometimes not right um, and the, the the value of a certain set of teachings isn't just in um, the strength you can have with them, but kind of how deep you can go with with the, these ideas. Um, so what does that mean for us? Before creation, right? Before creation. Remember the Rabbi Eliezer said, 
creation happened in Tishrei because there were fruit on the trees, right? How does fruit get on the trees? It grows. Um, and Elul seems to me to be a time of really growing into ourselves, growing to, to be able to speak about the world. Right? There's lots of speech happening on uh, Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippur. We say a lot. Um, but we're told some, that some things you can't talk about. There's things you, you can't say. Right? When's the time for not saying things? Maybe that's Elul. Maybe those questions of what, what came before. Right? That's, again, it's not a bad question, but just every answer would be bad. You shouldn't answer these questions. Just let these questions grow within you and become part of you. And that, that leads us to a, a, a very rich and, and exciting uh, new year, right? So Elul is a time of, of becoming. The rest of the year is a time of being. Uh, Elul, we, we train ourselves to, to become something new. Um, I hope I gave you lots of texts just now <laughs> if you want to listen to this again if you want to read through them if you want forget everything I said and maybe one sentence will remain and inspire a dream and that's what you'll be left with um, and I hope we get to speak again before Rosh Hashanah bye bye